This audio file comes from the Libri Ideas Library at www.libri-ideas-library.org. The library contains over 1,000 lectures and discussions which explore questions about the reality and relevance of Christianity. We ask you to respect the copyright for this audio file which belongs to Libri Fellowship. The file is for personal use to share with friends, family and colleagues, but please do not publish the material in any format or post it on a website without seeking permission from Libri Fellowship. Please note that views expressed in the lecture and discussion time do not necessarily represent the views of Libri Fellowship. Um, I thank you for asking me, Andrew and others. And <coughs> for six years I worked in Swiss Libri with Francis Schaeffer, that was many years ago, so that accounts for my grey hair. Not not by working with Francis Schaeffer that I contracted grey hair. I don't, don't mean that at all. But um, all those years ago, time passes. And uh, it's such a privilege to to be to be kept to keep in touch with Labrie and to enjoy the friendship of so many students and especially the workers. Well now I thought I'd tell you something <coughs> briefly about myself so that when you say well who was that elderly English gentleman with the white hair um, you know just a little about me I was born at a very early age and um, <coughs> I've, um, I went to um, I'll jump a few years I went into publishing thinking that was to be my career in a Christian publishing house in London and uh, the, war, <coughs> the second world war broke out and uh, a young man in the office where I was beginning to learn the trade, the business, um, <coughs> befriended me. He was a Christian. And I noticed that he read his Bible and uh, when he had his sandwiches at lunchtime. And we became friends. And according to government regulations, <coughs> we had to, the firm had to, as everybody living and working in London in those days uh, had to do, had to supply a squad of people on the roof every night and uh, some would sleep in the basement for a few hours and they'd go up and change places for those who'd been up there and our job on the roof was to um, uh, if possible get hold of when they landed the firebombs that the German planes dropped and fling them into the street but if they didn't then put them out with one or two buckets of water and as there were no more buckets, then after that you ran for it. And uh, <coughs> we were up there on that on that night and uh, that night, and there was no no alarm. No bombers came over, either fire bombers or heavy bombers. And this young man, <coughs> um, God was in it all, as He always is in these things. And he, I had the joy of being, he had the joy of leading me to Christ and I had the joy of becoming a Christian that evening. So that goes back to 1940. 1940. So that's enough of my story except to say that <coughs> after the war I went up to Cambridge and read history and then went back and did English and then taught in what we call in England a public school which is not a public school at all, it's very much a private school. And uh, <coughs> that was a great privilege to be a housemaster and to teach English language there. <coughs> then after 20 years, it seemed as though uh, God was saying to me, not myself saying to me, but he was saying to me, it's time you had a change. The house is getting stale. And you've got these uh, <coughs> 60 boys from 13 to, uh, 13 to 18, 19. It's time they had a change. And uh, I've got some work for you to do. And Francis Schaeffer invited me to go to Switzerland, where I went for six years in all. Well, in between times, <coughs> and since then, I've been privileged to learn a number of things, and I've learned, learned a number of things from older from students, from little children, from older people, from different walks and avenues of life. And I want to pass on some of those things to you. And because I hope they'll be helpful to you as you navigate the rapids of life or as you live in the shadow of the Tower of Babel. Well now, finding your way through the labyrinth of life 
Here's one of the first first things that I want to pass on. That we're on a journey. Every one of us is on a journey, we, whether we're believers or unbelievers, or half-believers, or unsure believers. We're on a journey. We're going somewhere. We're on a journey. And uh, <coughs> like Joseph, Daniel, and Nehemiah, and uh, C.S. Lewis and his friends, and there has to be, um, when, when we're on this journey, we need uh, companions for the journey. But we also need to know where we're going. And that's one of the first things. We need to have a guidebook. And we're all pilgrims on this journey. I love that word, pilgrim. Pilgrims progress. Chaucer's pilgrims. They're, they're, they're seeking for something really exact and precise and valuable, something worthwhile. They're not so seeking a pile, a pile of gold as those brave, <coughs> perhaps misguided sometimes, poor men, the, the gold diggers <coughs> in, the, in the Yukon or wherever it was in the United States in the end of the 19th century, so many of whom lost their lives, never finding any gold. But we're on a journey, we're pilgrims, and we're looking for something absolutely worthwhile. And um, we're not interested in the latest list, I'm not interested in the latest phenomenon or the latest teaching about um, economics or politics, the latest views of the political parties. Of course I'm interested as a human being and as a responsible citizen of Great Britain of England um, of course I am but that's, that, those are, that's, not the, that's not the prime the important thing um, as we move along I think you'll see that when you're on a journey when you're on, when you're on a journey you need to know clearly what your destination is and never lose sight of it never lose sight of your destination if it's your intention to make a mint of money and become a very rich man and perhaps corrupted by it, but your intentions at the moment are that as a rich lady you're going to give it to charity and to Christian work and so on. Well, God bless you in that. But don't let that be your objective, to make a lot of money, or to become a famous surgeon, or a well-known American preacher, or a well-known English preacher. That should not be the objective. The objective for the believer is to know Christ. And to be, and for others to know Christ through you. So, this, this is, this is, this is, this is, as it were, where, where, where I, where I stand in this matter. So we're all pilgrims, we're all on a journey, and everyone in this room is, <coughs> is, is, the, the, the compass point is going here or there, I don't know, you know where you are on your journey so far. You also know from where you've come. And that will influence, to some extent, the direction of your journey. But we need companions and we need friends on our journey, for life's journey. Mutually committed, affectionate, reliable, accountable. Shakespeare has a wonderful phrase, I think it's wonderful, like everything Shakespeare wrote. Shakespeare has a wonderful phrase in Hamlet. Um, I forget who it is, says to Hamlet, Those friends thou hast, and their adoption tried, grapple them to thy heart with hoops of steel. Those are such strong, robust words. Those friends thou hast, and you prove them, their adoption tried, grapple them to thy heart with hoops of steel. Test your friends, test for your friends, and then trust your friends. Um, one of the things that perhaps follows from that <coughs> is that uh, is that from time to time, <coughs> time to time. No, I can fit that in later. I think I'll fit that in later. Otherwise, I may lose my place. And that means that then you lose yours. Um, we all need friends. In addition, <coughs> we need a guidebook. And uh, the guidebook I've already suggested is, uh, <coughs> is, is the scriptures. There are other good books that we need too. 
other good books. <coughs> um, and we, this is assuming that we've initially had an encounter with God. Not sure that I like that phrase, um, but it, it'll do, an encounter with God, which changes us. Now that's important. It, it, it changes. It changes our sense of direction. The direction in which we're going when we have an encounter with God. And uh, I'll mention some of the people who've had encounters with God. And they suffered, uh, John Bunyan, the persecution and imprisonment that he experienced. But that set him on his career of writing, out of which came that wonder, full of wonder, shows the Pilgrim's Progress. C.S. Lewis, um, <coughs> when he fully grasped the significance of who Jesus Christ is, then it changed the direction of his life. And uh, there's also, and also Martin Luther. He nailed a piece of paper to a church door, which entirely redirected the, uh, the, the, the course of his life. And <coughs> God, God that, that's, that, that's the way God works. He doesn't play games with us. He, he really leads us. He really leads us. But don't be afraid of failing. We all fail. We all fail. Um, yes, I could tell you of my failures, but there's no necessity. And anyway, you'll be glad to know that you have, we haven't time. But <clears throat> we all fail. Repeatedly. Learn from. That's the lesson, that's the lesson we learn from failing, is that we learn why we failed. What did we do that was wrong? What did we think initially that was wrong? That's where it begins, up here. Then what did we feel? And then what did we do? Um, don't be afraid, however, of failing, of letting people down, of not doing as well as you thought, and so on and so forth. Learn from it. Learn from it. Secondly, oh, the next thing, don't be afraid of tears. Don't be afraid of crying. Um, I say this particularly to the men here, the young men here. Let's have no macho nonsense about crying for men. Men should cry, and men do cry. And uh, I certainly do when I'm moved by beauty and its many and varied forms, and I, I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I don't do, you don't do it deliberately, you can't help it. I mean, we're all made this way. We're made to cry as we're made to laugh. We're made to keep silent as we're made to speak. So there's nothing unusual about crying. But men, you dear youngsters, don't be afraid of crying when you're moved by, by great truths, or by words, or by a flower, or by tremendously moving music. Or in England, which I particularly love and always move me, though I know them fairly well, great Gothic cathedrals, of which we have over 40, in this land. Great Gothic structures, beautiful. Go to Salisbury on your day off next time. <coughs> You've probably been to Winchester, some of you. That's great, that's a Norman cathedral. Go another 20 miles on to Salisbury and uh, see the 404 foot spire from ground to the top of the spire. You can go also go up the tower if you want to and see the flatness of Salisbury Plain. But go inside the cathedral and see this great Gothic structure and ask yourself some questions. Why was it built here? Who had the idea to build this thing? And how they built it, my word, that's another story. Big tomes have been written about that, how you built, how those men in those days, <coughs> in, the, uh, in the 11th and 12th centuries, erected those structures. You think about it. But anyway, there's all sorts of questions you can ask and things to think about, and just sit down in the nave and take it all in. Just, just, just let the beauty be absorbed by you. When I was at uh, Bread, um every Sunday evening we had high tea, and all the kids, the college students in those days, kids, they all came to, uh, to my flat, had a big flat, upstairs under the eaves of this chalet 
And uh, first of all, we'd have cucumber sandwiches um, <coughs> with, with salad, and followed by um, followed by fruit, uh, fruit, uh, fruit, jelly and fruit. And the following Sunday, we'd have jelly and fruit followed by cucumber sandwiches. And so, <laughs> so we changed the menu alternately. And um, then when we about twenty or thirty kids would come up there and all sit on the floor and <coughs> use the chairs and. Then I'd, re I'd put on a record. In those days, it was what we called an LP, and um, it ran for about 40, 30, 40 minutes, something like that. And <coughs> it would be a classical record, and I'd preface the, the, tell, them, tell them what it was, and I begin to sound like a dictator when I say this, but it wasn't like that at all. But, and you, because you'll realize, you cannot listen to great music without great silence. I don't mean quiet, I mean silence, as near as you can get to it. And then it, it permeates you, it just enters you. And most of these kids had never, didn't know what classical music was. Um, <coughs> they, they'd heard, heard the phrase perhaps. So we listened to this for half an hour, and um, my instructions were, Dear kids, I love you, but you're not even to sneeze. Don't make a sound. Don't make a sound. Just listen. Don't hear this music. Listen to it. And uh, it brought lots of changes in the attitude to classical music and of course an enrichment to life for so many. Then after that, um, I'd read a story, a Narnia story or something like that. <coughs> and um, some, of these, some of these thoughts began to take shape as a result of the experiences of those those lovely kids way back in, in those days. Um, next thing, be a risk taker. Be a risk taker. After 20 years, I, I said, I, may, <coughs> I taught in, a, in what we call a public school, an expensive fee-paying school for boys. <coughs> and... Um, Francis Schaeffer, I went out to see a friend of mine, Oz Guinness, who was a, 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 um, working at Swiss Labrie, and also went on my mountaineering holiday that year, and uh, <coughs> he introduced me to Schaeffer, who asked me to come, and I took a whole year to think and pray about it. And, um, because if I, if I went, which I did, thank God, um, I had to sell my home, put the furniture in store, lose a prestigious job and um, with a large salary all that, all that would go and the Lord showed me those things are to go I'll take care of them and I'll take care of you and uh, I took that risk I took that risk <clears throat> nearly every person who works in the bee in any form or another has taken a risk they could have done something else. It would have brought, <coughs> brought um, certain pecuniary and material benefits. But this was where the Lord wanted them, in that particular place of over there. So be, be a risk taker. It's a, it's a, one, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to say, knowing that God doesn't play games with us. He doesn't play games with us. Wilberforce, he stayed in Parliament for 45 years he struggled to get the bill passed in Parliament when he could have left and had an easy retirement. He stayed there 45 years he, until the, the bill for the abolition of slavery became law. You think of um, John, John Wesley going into the fields to preach. And not only not to a church, he wanted to reach more people. And of course he encountered abuse and uh, manhandling and stones thrown at him. He had a terrible time until people really began to listen. They would not hear him, but when they began to listen, then they heard things that began to change their life. So he took a risk. We have to take risks. But um, work it all out on a piece of paper, pro and, pro and uh, con, <coughs> for and against, 
and uh, look, look to the Lord, make your decision and look to the Lord. But you may be unsure, and here's another point, when you're unsure about anything, about the next step, stand on the things of which you are sure. Don't stand on uncertainties. Stand on the things of which you are sure. What are the things you're sure of? What are you certain about? Because when you're unsure, you need to stand on those things. The believer is able to say, um, well, I have a relationship, I don't like that word, speaking of Christ, but it'll do, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, that is to me, to, with God through Christ, that to me is crucial, that's the heart of my life, I stand on that, because I know that, as Donald has told me again and again and again, God doesn't play games with us. He doesn't play games with us. doesn't use us as puppets. Um, you can be certain, you can be certain that if you're a believer, you're in the line of God's will. And you can be certain that if you're not a believer, you're willing to face the evidence, willing to think things through, and walk through the woods or in the garden one day, and just say, God, if you're there, please show me, because I want to believe. I do want to believe. And help my unbelief. There's a man in the Bible whom Jesus met who said just those words. Lord, I believe, but it's not real yet. Help my unbelief. So when you're unsure about anything, stand on the things of which you are sure. God will never let you down. He'll never let you go. He keeps his promises. He's made a marvellous statement, one of many marvellous statements, of course, that God has made. It's unbelievable that God should say this, but he did say it. Those who honour me, I will honour. Did you ever hear of a God who said that to his worshippers? Those who honour me, I will honour. Here's another point. It's related to that, but it's different. Do not let the past put a break on the present. The present has been unhelpful, is unhelpful. <clears throat> if the past has been unhelpful, don't let it put a break on the present. Long past or just past. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Don't crush yourself. Don't crush yourself in this matter. And God through Christ is unchanged, unchanging, unchangeable. And each new day gives new possibilities, new beginnings. Don't keep looking back except to learn from it. Get up and go on. Get up and go on. Get up and go on. Next point. Do not lose sight of your worthwhile objectives. You're on a journey, you need an objective. Presumably on a journey you intend to go somewhere. You're not going to go around in circles or <coughs> work out something geometrical and then say, well, I went here, there, and everywhere, just like a geometry. No, you've got an objective. Don't lose sight of your worthwhile objectives. You want to be a social worker, a debris worker, a nurse, a doctor, a teacher, a businessman, a farmer. Don't lose sight of your objectives. Weigh up the gifts that you've got and see how they fit into the thing in which you're interested or, or hoping for or planning for. Also, also, um, dream your dreams. When you get to my age, you don't dream anymore. I mean, you dream perhaps in your sleep, but you, we don't have dreams to dream anymore. Because, uh, because it, it's too late for that. 
When you're 83, you don't, you don't dream. You don't have dreams about what you're going to do in the next 50 years. <laughs> They're all behind you. But dream your dreams while you're young. Dream your dreams. See where they lead you. But give them a real, let, let, let them have reality. But more important than a dream is, is, is an objective. Something definitely to go for. Definitely go for. And here's another thing. Never, never, never lose your sense of wonder. Your sense of wonder. Of excitement. In beautiful, simple things. Um, the example I always give, because I'm always moved by these things, are sunsets or sunrises. Every morning I get up at six o'clock, there's nothing meritorious in this, by the way. I know none of you does it, but it's time you did. <laughs> <laughs> get up at six o'clock and I go um, a 40 minute brisk walk up from my home and up through the trees, through the woods, and then, and then back again. And uh, in, the, in the winter, you, you see the sunrise. And you just stand and look at it. <coughs> tell God how wonderful he is and what an artist well some people say well it's just another sunset what are you getting excited about just another sunset what is the lad or the lady talking about is it just another sunset it's, a, it's something new totally new it wasn't there yesterday there was a sunset yesterday there will be a, sunset, a sunrise tomorrow. But it will be quite different from today's. Never lose your sense of wonder. Because if you do, life becomes... Um, it becomes hard, it becomes brassy, it becomes steely. It, 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 it becomes rigid. It becomes... Um, uh, Scrooge in the Christmas Carol is a good example, perhaps. Um, <coughs> of a fictional character but the type of person who's lost their sense of wonder their purpose in life their sense of wonder these, these, these things are signals of transcendence um, Andrew preached uh, um, I was going to use the word wonderful it's used too often a deep sermon about on transcendence <coughs> ask him about it sometime you think of a little baby's soft hair and the tiny, tiny toenails. And one's response is, so what? Babies have toenails and they're tiny. Do you really think that should be our response? Um, they, they, these are enduring truths, in a way. They're enduring truths. What the, the 19th century English poet, late 19th century, early 20th century English poet, Deborah Davies, uh, <coughs> wrote a poem, uh, the opening lines of which are, What is this life? It's full of care. We have no time to stand and stare. And then he lists some of the ordinary things of life, which are beautiful things of life. But what is this life? What does it amount to? If full of care and responsibility and this to do and a train to catch and timekeeping here and timekeeping there and looking at the watch, dashing off here, what is this life? It's full of care. You have no time to stand and stare. Another point, do be passionate about something. Be passionate about something. I'm not talking about a girlfriend or a boyfriend, but if you're not passionate about him or her, then there's something wrong with you. But we're not talking about that. Be passionate. Be passionate about worthwhile things. And be prepared to go to the stake for one or two of them. I remember 
when I left <coughs> left left uh, the school which I was teaching, um, a, a boy said to me, um, "Sir," uh, he said, I, "I don't think you've taught me very much." So I thought, "Well, that's okay," but I wonder what's following if he's got as far as saying that. Don't think you've taught me very much, but you've given me a passion for poetry. So I thought I hadn't altogether failed the lad. Um, be passionate about something. Be passionate about something. Something worthwhile. And then you, that will enthuse other people and encourage them to be passionate about certain things. In their lives, perhaps they're a little hesitant or feel that it's, it's foolish. Um, don't let thoughts like that crush you. Here's another point. Beware of trusting only in your intellect and reason. That's not my thought, that's Francois Fenelon. He urges us to beware of trusting only in our intellect and reason. And he goes on to say that intellect can deceive us. It's fallen like the rest of us. That's it, that's true. It's fallen. Intellect is fallen. Consider carefully, he goes on to say, what the world's great philosophers and educators are saying, by which he means what they're really saying. What they're really saying. What they're saying is in these words, but what are they really saying? What are their presuppositions? If at university or college you're troubled by something that the lecturer says, why not invite that lecturer to a pub lunch? With a friend. Quote, uh, question what the world says. Love truth. Love truth. Love true truth. Love the Lord because you love truth. And a humble and teachable spirit will help you to acquire the knowledge that's hidden from the wise and prudent. I've mixed some of my thoughts in there, but it's <coughs> Fenelon is the genesis. Fenelon is the genesis for it. Next point. Develop a biblical worldview. This is, I hope, your principal reason, or one of the principal reasons why you're here at Labrie. Develop a biblical worldview that makes sense of life and reality, that is reasonable, knowable, consistent, and testable, in accordance with what is actually true in the real world. That's where people make a mistake. They think <coughs> that a, world, a biblical worldview is not true the way things are. But the Bible never tells us that if we're hungry, we're to take our shoes off and uh, <coughs> in our socks and try to get our food into our big toe. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't give us any nonsense at all. If you go to a nursery because you want to buy a plant for the garden, you don't dig the hole and then put the leaves in and have the roots sticking out. The universe is constructed in a certain way. Our lives and relationships are. There's a structure to it all. It's knowable, it's consistent, it's testable, and it's reasonable. And, you, and when you're on a journey with your friends, you need exactly that. You need, you need exa- to be, to be with, <coughs> with friends who understand this. Um, iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. Their, their minds will sharpen yours, and yours will sharpen theirs. And then you can face the challenge and, of truth and coherence in a, in a relativistic and pluralistic society. Pursue friendships with folk whose lives enshrine your worldview. Living in, a similar, in similar ways, journeying on the same road, John Wesley and the Holy Club in Oxford that he founded. There's an example. The Cambridge Seven at the end of the 19th century went off to China together with his men. Um, C.S. Lewis and the Inkling, the Clapham sect so-called in the 19th century 
the friends, they stuck together and as, as a body of people as well as when they were in the, in the, in, when they were singly on their own, single on their own, they made a difference. They made a difference. They were supporting. And you have, I have friends in America and friends in different countries, especially in the United States and in this country, down here, who pray for me. We have the same world view. We're able to talk and hug one another immediately. Because friendship has gone deep on the deepest things of all. Next point. Uncover your gifts. Uncover your gifts. What do I mean? I mean that I think we have three lots of gifts. <coughs> we, and certainly the believer has three lots of gifts. Um, you have character gifts, you have creative gifts, and the believer has spiritual gifts. But everybody has character gifts and creative gifts. Uncover those gifts. Make a list of them. If you're uncertain about what career or avocation into which you ought to go, take a piece of paper and write down your character gifts. Be honest about it. Oh no, I don't think that's really me. If you know it is, you write it down. Make a list of your creative gifts. You love taking a car or a piece of machinery pieces, oiling it, repairing it, putting it back again, and then it works beautifully and sweetly. Or you, or you love playing the piano, or painting, painting a room. There's always plenty of that to do in the bay here, and that sort of thing. Or painting, painting pictures, writing songs, writing, writing your diary. And remember, don't throw those diaries away. You want to show those to your families. I mean, you're, when you're married and to your children. Keep those diaries. Don't just throw them away as something that's temporary. They're very much part of you. And we're all too prone to we're all too prone to keep a lot of stuff that is not unimportant, which we think is important, and some undoubtedly of it is. But do keep your diaries. And you look back even now, you look back to the past five or six years and maybe you can't remember what you did on this day five years ago. Maybe you say to yourself, looking back uh, on this day last year, I, I was here. No, I, where was I? It, it says that I was in Boston. Boston, Lincolnshire, England. No, that must be a mistake. It was Boston, Massachusetts. Surely. No, it wasn't. It was Boston, Lincolnshire. What was I doing in Boston, Lincolnshire a year ago? Boston, Lincoln. Who goes to Boston? In Lincolnshire. I know, yes. Yes. Uncle Jehoshaphat, he lives. He lives in Boston and he took me up Boston Stump. That's right. Three cheers for Uncle Jehoshaphat. Keep, keep your diaries. Keep your diaries. And especially those intimate, personal, personal things. Um, you have your creative, and <coughs> believers have spiritual gifts. Believers have spiritual gifts too. One or two gifts God may give us. The gift of, gift of preaching, the gift of, um, the gift of writing, the gift of caring, getting alongside people, loving them, the gift of praying for them. Being a real prayer, spending much time on your knees, either, me either metaphorically or literally. Well, you say, I don't know, I'm not sure that my gifts are all that extraordinary, I think they're very ordinary. Well, <clears throat> before you say that, just remember that God gave you your gifts. You didn't. You didn't give yourself your gifts. Through your parents, God gave you your gifts. And he's given us gifts in, in that way. Um, <clears throat> and don't say that your creative gifts aren't all that important or anything anything like that. It, it may be false modesty and so that's dishonest to start with. <clears throat> and that's un un terribly unhelpful. Unworthy too. But um, do, do remember there's nothing there's no such thing as insignificance with God. There's no such thing as insignificance with God. Your gifts are not insignificant. 
He can bring a great thing out of a little thing. God can bring a great thing out of a little thing. An acorn, an oak. It reminds, that reminds me of um, Martin Luther. Martin Luther. <clears throat> yes, it does, but I can't see it on this page. <laughs> You'll have to wait a bit. Um, <clears throat> let no, yes, here we are. Let no man take from me, he said on one occasion. Let no man take from me the vision that God willeth to do a great work through me. Let no man take from me the vision that God willeth to do a great work through me. Me? Yes, you. Yes, you. There's no such thing as insignificance with God. He can bring a great thing out of a little thing. What about your career? What about your calling? They may be different, or they may be identical. Yet should your career vanish, as in, in the Western world, certainly in England, that's likely, <coughs> that's, that, that's a, a serious possibility. Um, your calling remains. Your calling remains. To, to think, uh, to live, distinctively and Christianly. That's your calling. But today's culture doesn't say that to you at all. Today's culture says to your generation specifically and to older people up to their forties I suppose, <coughs> um, you are your job. You are your job. And I'm paying you your salary because you are my slave. You are your job. Nothing else. If you want to keep your job, you'll be here on Sunday mornings. If you want to keep your job, you'll take only two weeks holiday and not three to which you're entitled. Bosses are like that these days. Partly, largely, I think, because of the terrible competition they're up against and they don't want to go under. So you can understand why it's being said. But you've got to have an answer to that. You've got to think that one through. When the time comes, it hasn't come yet. And it may not come. Things may change. There's, um, somebody used to say, let's just hope so, but I don't think they will. However, <coughs> however, um, just remember your, your culture says you are your job, but you're not. That, that's not true. That's not true. Your saviour says, if you are a believer, and God says to you, if you're not a believer, he says this great truth. He says this, that you, um, your identity is in knowing me. Your identity is in knowing beyond doubt my hand upon your life. Your identity is in knowing beyond doubt that my hand is upon your life. You are, as God himself says in that beautiful phrase, I hold you in the hollow of my hand. There's another phrase that God uses in the scriptures. Your name is carved on the palms of my hand. God doesn't play games with us. He's real. He's there. So, <clears throat> if you're a nurse, Christian nurse, a nurse, you're gifted to be a nurse, then you nurse to the glory of God. If you're a banker, you're led to be a banker, you bank to the glory of God. Well, all of you, I must say, have been a very patient listener. <clears throat> and as King Henry VIII said to his fifth wife, I shan't keep you long. <laughs> now, God's guidance, God's guidance to us we sometimes make complicated. But saturate the, if you're wanting God's guidance about this or that, saturate it with prayer. Just talk, keep on talking to the Lord about it. Avoid asking too many folk what they think. 
I can say this from experience. You ask three friends whom you love and trust and you know they're sensible and sane and they'll perhaps give you two of them will give you the same and the third so you are different answers. So you've got two lots of answers and you've got what you're thinking about. And somebody else comes along and chips in being as helpful as he or she knows how and says, well I think you ought to do this. Avoid asking people. It doesn't help to ask people a, a whole string of people. What do you think I should do? What's my career? Or when should I leave to be? Well, the quicker the better, says somebody. Well, no, that's not what I wanted to hear. So somebody else says something different. Um, it's, it's not helpful to do that. Not not all that helpful. So it's it's more simple. And I commend this to you. It's what one of the things I've learned. Unless God checks you and you have peace of mind God's will for you is found in two ways let me say that again unless God checks puts the break on as it were in your thinking and you have peace of mind about that you're just putting it in abeyance for the time being then you'll find his will in two ways making prayerful, common-sense decisions and asking him to bless or to block those decisions or that decision. Make a common-sense decision. Lord, I'm making this decision. It seems sensible to me to do this. Common-sense decision. But you want to be certain that God is in there. And he won't play games with you, remember that. Never, never, never. Ask him to bless this. If this is right, just give me little encouraging signs along the way. Please, Lord. And if it's wrong, put a block, like a roadblock. Please put a block ahead. Um, when, when, I was <coughs> when I was going to the bridge, um, leaving that job I had my car on the on the ferry at uh, Dover um, to go across to Calais and then drive <coughs> all the way down through France and part of Germany into into Switzerland and up to Brie, full of things that I thought I needed <coughs> um, packed to the packed to the ceiling of the car and uh, the car was in the holes and the ship had sailed the ferry had sailed and I had a, um, <coughs> something I hope I never have again. I had a panic attack. Well, what have I done? What have I done? I'd given up that job, thrown away that job, and all that that meant to me. And I was just devastated. I paced up and down that deck, and then I stopped and looked over the side. And I, <laughs> yes, I certainly cried. And God heard. And a great peace, a great peace filled me. I haven't known anything quite like that since. But it's as though it happened. Happened only yesterday in my telling it. It was so real. So real. Here's another thing. Reach out to others. Reach out to others. I know you do. People do that at the breeze. They do that in other areas of life too, I'm glad to know. And <coughs> to see. Get alongside, get alongside, especially you get into a job or <coughs> into a secular society. Get alongside um, other and students at your university and college. Get alongside the unbelievers. You don't need the company of the believers. They are certain. And, and, and you're in trouble, you can go to one of them and you can pray together and then you discuss this and that and the other thing. But you want to get alongside one or two unbelieving friends. And... Um, one at a time. Don't don't take on too many people at a time. I made that mistake. Taking on too many friends, uh, unbelievers and indeed believers. 
Christian. And um, you, because you just can't keep up with them all. You can't keep up with them all. And if you're bad about it and you think they're feeling bad about it, as it were, you, you have, we have to think about it. I don't know. The point is that when you, when you get alongside somebody, this is the point I'm trying to make, you have to stay alongside. When you get alongside, you've got, you're committed to stay alongside. So if you get alongside 20 people in, a, in meaningful dialogue, <coughs> to use a jargon, horrible phrase, you've got to stay alongside those 20 people. You can't just say, well, toodaloo, goodbye. You, you've got to stay there. You get alongside, you stay alongside. So think about it and try to get a balance there. And, and students, <coughs> I'm not getting at any students, of course I'm not. But as you know, being a student, and uh, you know your fellow students, by and large students live unstable, undisciplined, unstructured lives. And for them to find someone who cares and goes on persisting in caring is precious, so precious for them. And in that, as I said, in that context, try not to dissipate your, your, your energies. <coughs> You've, um, you've been very patient. Just hold on just a little bit longer. <coughs> I've nearly finished. Here's a quotation from Winston Churchill. I won't a, a, attempt to copy his voice, because that would be mimicking him. But um, this is a quotation from Churchill given to the pupils of his old school at a speech day. This is not actually a quotation. This is the whole speech. It was given in the middle of the Second World War, so he, he, he had other things on his mind. And what it amounts to is this, and I pass it on to you, I think it's tremendous. Never give in. Never, 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 never in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in, except to convictions of honour and good sense. That's tremendous advice. Wonderful, wonderful advice. So, a great friend of mine, a distinguished physician, he's dead, he died recently, <coughs> called Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a distinguished physician and a, a mighty preacher, a man of God, and I had the privilege of his friendship for many years, said this to me once, <coughs> when you're feeling depressed, empty, drifting, and the road is stony and dreary, say to yourself, what matters is not what I feel is true about myself at any moment, but what I know is true about God at every moment. That's absolutely marvellous. Wonderful. What matters is not what I feel. And we live by our feelings, that's why we get into so much trouble instead of clear thinking. What matters is not what I feel is true about myself. I feel an absolute jerk and I feel rebellious and bloody-minded. What matters is not what I feel is true about myself at any moment, but what I know, not what I feel, but what I know is true about God at every moment. Not any moment, every moment. Profound, profound Simple truth. When the road is stony and hard, remember that. So, 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 you dear kids, keep the flag flying. 
until you fall at his feet with it. Thank you very much. Anybody else experience anything similar to that? Mm-hmm. Have you tried to deal with it in any particular way? Mm-hmm. I think. <coughs> I'm not sure that this is going to be as helpful as perhaps you'd like, but I think that what I what I close by saying uh, with saying really really might help you quite quite a little bit along the way. Um, what matters is not what we feel or what what we're dreaming about, but <coughs> what do we know? What do we know? Do we know that? that God will lead us? Do we know that he'll guide us? Do we know that he'll be faithful to us? Do we know that he won't play play games with us? Um, Do we know that we have to earn our living? That we can't dream? We've got got to tackle ourselves. Do we know that he'll give us the help? Do we know that we have friends who will stand by us and support us and make suggestions? and also help us along life's way. It, it, it's so important to have, have a group of friends, as I, as, as one of the things I've been stressing, <coughs> um, whom you can, on whom you can really rely. I'm not sure that I've personally answered your question, but I've tried to. Andrew? It smashes the dream to say so, but our dreams have to be based on reality. They can't just be up here. Floating, floating. <coughs> They've got to be rooted, not floating, rooted. Um, that is to say, there has to be the possibility of this particular dream being able to be put into soil, into the soil of my life, in order to grow. I've, 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 got, I've got to get hold of it. I've got to stop dreaming. And there are dreamy types. <laughs> it's, it's a 
it's not meant unkindly when people say, oh, well, he or she is a dreamy sort of person. It's, it's, a, it's almost a compliment, because it's a, it's a nice thing to say. It's a gentle thing to say. But if the person, <coughs> if the person concerned dreams through, as it were, wanders like a dream through every 24 hours, that good person is in, is in trouble. Some, somebody somewhere has to get alongside and perhaps the person, him or herself, can say, come on, I've got to pull myself together. I've got to pull myself together. I've been drifting. Dreaming, drifting. There's a, there's a relationship there, there's similarity. <coughs> I've got to reject or eject <coughs> these particular fantasies. Because the world is such that in which God has placed me, it's a harder, harder, harder world for you to live in than it was for me to live in. There was a Christian consensus in Britain <coughs> throughout the whole of the Western world. The Roman Catholic consensus in France but substantially a, a Christian consensus. This was right, that was wrong. Everybody knew it. The idea of building of building new prisons every other year as we've been doing in England for the last 15 years it was just laughable. Laughable. I don't know how many prison, prison people there were in prison in 19, uh, 1939, the year, year, year war broke out. No idea. One could find out. I know there how many cars there were, about 80, about 75,000 cars, that was all. Now it's, um, now it's shudder to think. So, we're living in a secular culture now, and there's no, there's no time to dream. That's why I said it's important that we do dream. What is this life? It's full of care. You have no time to stand and say, let that be your dream. When you walk down Snailing Lane or walk down Church Lane, when you, when you pick your way over the grass because you don't want to crush the daisy. And you may say, come on, life's too short for that. I can't spend my time going slowly across the lawn when I get from here to there. Well, <coughs> if somebody is dying the other side of the lawn, you ignore the daisies and you go for them. Of course you do. You have to decide your situation. But make sure that you, make sure kids, Sorry, I call you kids. That's the term, that was the word we use in Swiss degree for students, who are known as the kids. It's a nice, it's a nice word, actually. Um, yes, it is in English, in England. Dream your dreams, yes. But let, let them be beautiful ones, not, not, not just fantasies. Not just fantasies. Not imaginings that, or worst of all, bad imaginings. Yeah, those, those things begin to act like acid. A few drops of acid inside us, they corrode into a way. I think I've said enough on that. Maybe you have to think about it, I hope. Yes, sir. Anything else? Well, I'll just say one final thing. Uh, <coughs> I intended to say it right at the beginning, but it always makes me laugh when I say it, and I hope it will amuse you. Um, I was speaking at the University on the West Coast of the United States some years ago, and in the men's room, 
My hope is for not be your reaction uh, as a result of this lecture. In the men's room, some students had stuck a notice which read, If you wish to listen to one of the Dean's lectures, press this button, the electric hand drying machine. See, he puts this on the button of the electric hand drying machine. If you wish to listen to one of the Dean's lectures, press this button. <laughs> I'm sure that's not the response to the Dean's lectures. <laughs> Hmm. No, I have no certainty. No, no assurance whatsoever. Well, thank you very much. Keep the flag flying.